Dear brothers and sisters of peace, I want you to think about coming through the front doors of our church as a visitor. And you see the doors swung open for you and there are smiling faces there and they hand you a welcome card. And you walk in and you are hit by the good smells of coffee and the obscene amount of treats that have been brought for that Sunday morning. You walk in and you, you, you get all of these senses, that, all these things that are appealing to you. People seem nice, they're talking to you, they're pointing to you where the, the name tags are. And then you start your walk to the sanctuary after you've talked to so many different people. And as you come up to the sanctuary, you see a sign. And that sign above the, the church sanctuary door says, SEC fans only, Big Ten fans are welcome to worship in the Welcome Center. It's absurd. So far, the elders have not asked me to put that one up yet. Back at the time of, of King Herod, when he built, helped build, remodel the second temple, and it was now Herod's temple the way that he had built it, that was how the temple was designed. There were all these courtyards and these extra spaces, and there was a sanctuary inside, but then there were courts around the outside and all these walls and barriers up so that the Jews could come in and the Gentiles were left outside and then actually the women were split off from there and, and therefore everybody was in their right spots. 1871, a stone is discovered in an archaeological dig. There's a stone that is discovered called the Sorg inscription and it says, let no foreigner enter within the screen and enclosure surrounding the sanctuary. He who is caught will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. It was a barrier. Standing between the Jews and the Gentiles, it was this barrier, this immovable barrier that had been created so that the Jews could have their spot and the Gentiles could have their space and they could worship differently. And it was sort of a tier system. The Jews were up here and the Gentiles were down here. And as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, our, our reading for the, our sermon this morning, we realize that he is writing to a church that has both Jews and Gentiles in it. And so what does he say to them about this, this barrier that had been created? He starts out, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul, very specifically here, is talking to the Gentiles who, who might have felt like they were far away, really for two reasons. First, we, we hear Jesus say it in, in the Gospels that he came first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles, that that's how salvation, the order of salvation was going to go. And you might listen to that and you might go, oh my goodness, that sounds like there's some type of favoritism. It sounds like God cares more about some people being saved than he cares about other people being saved. It's not true. Going back throughout the Old Testament, we see that, that, that through his people, God had actually reached out to, to all sorts of non-Jewish people so that they could worship him as their Lord. You think about Jethro, who was, who was Moses' Midianite father-in-law. He was a believer. You think about Rahab, who helped the spies. Even though she wasn't a Jew, she was, she was just a, Canaan, a, Canaan, a woman from Canaan. She was a believer, though. And so when we hear that they were far off, we, we don't understand that to mean that, yes, the Jews were closer and, and, and therefore salvation was just for them and not really for the Gentiles. It's just to say that God had said, I'm going to preserve my promises of a Savior through this people, through the Jews. And so I want them to always know 
that they are my people. And the second reason that they might have, might have felt far off was because whether it was a reality or whether it was just by perception, the Gentiles, Christians, were known as being people that had been given to debauchery, given to idolatry. They had not lived their lives in accord with God's ceremonial, oftentimes even his, his moral law. And so the Jewish people that are now, now gathering with them in churches are looking and going, what, what are you doing? What have you, what have you done throughout the course of your life? And what is the response of that? The blood of Jesus has brought even the one who felt furthest off near and dear to Jesus. So why the barriers in the first place? Paul talks about that barrier. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Why was there a barrier there? Because God had created one originally in the Old Testament. He had set his people apart. He had taken them and by giving them all sorts of seemingly strange and bizarre and specific ceremonial laws, he wanted to remind those people, you are mine. You are supposed to live different from the rest of the world because you are my chosen people. The people through whom the promised Savior would come. And so they lived that way. Oh boy, did they live that way. As they set themselves apart and they, they heard those warnings of God about intermarrying and, and they heard those warnings from God about, about giving themselves into idolatry, they, they made sure to build those barriers so that they would not be overtaken by an unbelieving and, and sometimes pagan world. Until sometimes they didn't. And you would see the people of Israel going kind of down the tubes because they would give themselves over to the, the ways of the world and they would reject God and they would say, no, 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 we don't want this kind of God. We want the pagan kind of God. And so all of this happens and we see this, this coming to fruition in the Old Testament. And then Jesus sets, comes onto the stage and Jesus fulfills all the ceremonial laws and he does everything the right way. He fulfills the moral law. He fulfills the civil law. He lives a perfect life in this world and reveals to these people, these Jewish believers, the promised Messiah is here. And now we don't need any barriers because we don't have to preserve the line of the Savior. The Savior has already come. Grace has been made known to all nations in Jesus. And so Jesus says it's time to take down the barriers. but some of those Jewish people had thought the barriers were kind of great. It was kind of nice having the barriers that, that made me better than, than the person next to me. They, they had created even more laws than the laws that God had given, and then they started to, to believe that they were saved by keeping those laws, not because of what Jesus was going to do for them, but, but they believed that because they could keep those laws so perfectly that they would be saved. And so they built more laws, and they, and they held tighter to those laws. And they pushed the Gentile people, fur, people further and further and further away. And that distance kind of yielded superiority. 
And that superiority yielded anger and hatred. And, and just as we see in our reading, it yielded hostility. Because all of these barriers, these Old Testament barriers, still sat in the middle of the church at Ephesus. Thankfully, we don't have that, right? Like I said, the, the elders have rejected my proposal of putting that sign above the church sanctuary door. But what are our barriers? Those barriers that, that tell us that, that God is only for some people, that, that this church is only for some people. I want you to think about it as, as this, this sort of this line, this wall, maybe even a, a legitimate wall in the middle of the sanctuary and I think initially we think of ourselves, yes, I'm on, I'm on this side of the wall, and I've got my people over here, and I've got Jesus on my side, and, and everybody else that kind of is different from me goes over there. And so we think, okay, good. We've got Peace Lutheran over here, everybody else over there. That's, that's awesome. Oh. But you know what? The age demographics, we want to be a young church. You know what? We're going to take you over you put you on the other side of the wall, you on the other side of the wall. Or maybe, maybe young families have a lot of needs. And their kids get loud in the service sometimes. You know what? You know what? Let's, let's get them to the other side of the wall. We don't need them with us. Okay, good. Now we have, I have my perfect little church over here. Good. The music, the music, there are certain people that like those old hymns, and you know what, you go over there, we don't want you here, now, okay, now we're good. Or, or you know what, you, you like the, the newer stuff, and you like those upbeat, those, or those slower songs, and so you're, you're going to go over, over here, I, I, I don't need you in my church. Good, Whew. close one. Oh, those Trump supporters, get them on the other side, not going to have them. Yep, Joe Biden supporters, you, that's where you guys go to. There's the wall. You guys can be there, and I'm going to be right here. Ah, they don't make enough money, though. They don't drive a nice enough car, though. Or they make too much money, and they seem snobby. They don't do things here at church the way I want them to. Time after time, we, we, we look in our lives, and we go, you know what? If you are not just like me, if you do things different from me, if you like things that, that I don't like, over the wall you go. And eventually we find ourselves on this side of the wall and we are looking around and we go, ah, perfect, it is just me and Jesus over here. <laughs> and then Jesus looks at us and goes, look, brother, sister, if we're talking walls, that's what sin does. It should cause Jesus to be on this side of the wall and us to be on the other side of the wall and never the two shall meet. And yet that's not what God says the circumstance is. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. God has killed the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. God has killed the hostility between you and the people that maybe sit in the seats next to you. Because God has killed the hostility between you and him. 
through Christ's work on the cross, through God pouring out every ounce of his wrath on Jesus. He had nothing left for you, no hostility, no animosity towards you. And so he said, you know what? Now you actually belong on my side of the barrier. Because while I hate sin, I don't hate you. And while I punish sin, that that sin has all been punished on Jesus. And that's why our message is different. He came and preached peace. Peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. This is our new message. To all baptized children of God, peace, peace, and more peace. Real peace for real people. Whether you are somebody that has been in a church, whether you feel like you have been close to Christ for 70, 80, 90 years, or you are somebody that just entered the church, peace. Because the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ covers every one of our sins. You had to think that when Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, he, was, he had two different types of hearers. You had to think at that church there was probably some 70-year-old person who was a devout Jew for their entire life before, before Jesus and, and then learned of Jesus and said, yes, this is the long-awaited Savior. This is awesome. And God tore down the divide between that man and maybe the Gentile that found himself in a brothel three months ago. And he said, because my blood is so strong, it's able to blot out every sin. The sins of pride for those who, ne- who are near and the sins, the sins of, of depravity for those who are far off, the, the blood of Jesus covers over every single one of those sins. That's how he's able to bring us together. Not through music, not through politics, not through age. Jesus brings us together through his blood and then he roots us on one pla- in one place. He roots us on the foundation that is his word. And so he's able to confidently say, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I saw in the news this week uh, the story of Michael Orr. Did anybody else catch that one? Michael Orr, the old Ole Miss player, now and then he played for, for some pro teams, and he was the subject of the, the movie The Blind Side. And I saw that, that this, this family that had supposedly adopted him didn't actually adopt him, but instead it was some type of other arrangement. Now, we'll wait for all the facts to come out on that very specific situation, but could you imagine? Could you imagine you lived your whole life thinking that you were a part of a family, a part of a household, and all of a sudden you learned, no, I'm not. Brothers and sisters, whether you are a baby in the faith, it's this small, and you have just, just begun to understand the depth and the riches of God's goodness and love that he showed to us in Christ. Whether you are in that small place or whether you are a person that has known Christ since you were about this big, You're a part of the family. There are no second-class Christians in the family of believers. Because the family of believers is for all people. Back in the Old Testament, 
when God set his people apart from the people that were around them? You could sort of think of it like this. You know the kid from grade school? Maybe that's a few years ago for some of us. But you know the kid from grade school who, who was a really nice kid on the playground? Really, really sweet. You would bring him over, you'd bring him over to your house afterwards, after school. But you weren't allowed to sit next to him during school. Do you know who I'm talking about? We all had one of those kids in our classes where, where you know what, when we were next to that kid, we were a little too distracted. We talked a little too much. Maybe, maybe we would have said things that we otherwise would not say. Just letting you know, peace, if you can't think of this kid in your grade school class, that means it was you. <laughs> God had separated us. God had separated his people from the people that were around them so that he could continue to to influence and model and sanctify and hold tight his children so that they would never wander away, so that they would never lose sight of who they were. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I encourage you to have that same attitude. Love the world. Love the people in your lives, even the ones that that stand actively opposed to Jesus. But please, dear brothers and sisters, make sure sure you don't say the wrong things in class. Live Live as children who have been bought by the blood of Christ, and Christ now says, you are going to be built on me. Live on him. Live on that that singular foundation that is Christ and his word. Just as Paul says as he closes our, our, our readings from Ephesians, he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by the Spirit. This is our church, our church right here. We are built on the words of the prophets and the apostles that all point to Jesus. And there are so many things in life that can divide us. There are certain things in our church that ought ought to divide us. When we see sins or false doctrines, we ought to point those out. Satan will use every single thing he possibly can to get between you and and your neighbor. Don't let it be the dumb stuff. The small barriers that God has said, I have destroyed those. Those are nothing now. Because this is the church that we are. One that is formed by the Spirit. One that is being built into a family of believers. One that is supposed to stand as a witness to the grace of God in our community and in our world. In Christ, the barriers are no more because Christ is a savior for everyone. Amen.